Alright my people, this is your man L. Jamal, back for another edition of Never Out of Bounds. This is the place where your second amendment is protected as long as you got them facts. We are back, we're going to start the week off right, and we're going to do the world on the street. We got, a, we got a really informative show today, we got a lot to talk about as usual, so let's get right into it. And uh, like I said with the world on the street, we're going to start with uh, some news in Sri Lanka. Now if you're not too sure what that is, this is a island nation uh, near the near India actually right next to India really small little tiny nation right next to the southern coast of uh, India and uh, they're going through some real drama right now uh, there's a dispute at, uh, dispute at the moment uh, between the prime minister um, and well actually the president and the would-be prime minister and this could lead to even more armed conflict now president um, Maitapala Sirisena dismissed the incumbent cumbit Ranil Rakramasinghe Friday on live TV now Sirisena then appointed Mahida Rakramasinghe Rajapaska. And uh, this morning, well, actually yesterday morning, uh, he was, he also uh, arrested a cabinet member in the capital of Colombo. Now, Rekasinghe has not given up his power, uh, but has not left his official residence along with his supporters. Now, um, with that being said, Rajapaska has already taken, has taken control of another official office and has started appointing his cabinet. Uh, this is a quote for Rakin Shingme. Uh, he goes, uh, at the moment, there is a vacuum. No one is in full charge of the country. So basically what you have right now is one man who's been, you know, uh, dismissed from his post. He's refusing to leave. Uh, he feels that there needs to be some type of uh, vote, uh, what have you. Uh, and then you have another, uh, you have Rajapaska, uh, Mr. Mahita uh, Rajapaska, uh, who is attempting to take it, take over. Again, like I said, he was given the nod from the president. President uh, Sirisena to take over, but like I said, uh, Rakasinghe is not trying to let that job go as of, at at this moment. Now, Parliament was suspended until November the sixteenth, and like I said, this is this got in the way of a potential vote uh, that would have uh, been able to, you know, at least select the leader. Uh, the thing about it was a lot of the a lot of the people who would have voted uh, were basically Rakan Singe's support group. So there would have been no real vote. It kind of just would have been, um, this is kind of who we're voting for, this who we're going to side with. Wouldn't have really been a fair election, to be honest with you, either. Even if they would have went that route, because like I said, uh, the majority of people that are in the office right now, um, Rajapaska is uh, trying to hire a cabinet, but the the majority of members that are making up that parliament right now are from uh, Rakasinghe's party, so there would be some conflicts there. Uh, this is the, this is another quote coming from the parliament speaker uh, Karu Jara uh, Jaya Surya. Uh, we need to solve this problem through pro uh, through parliament. If we try to solve this problem in the streets, it will lead to a major bloodbath. And then we have another quote here uh, coming from the replacement uh, Rajapaska. A wave of crime has hit the country. The economy is de deteriorating by the day. So there is violence. Uh, there was a, an issue here, uh, but. Petroleum Minister Arjuna Ratatunga was detained after a member of his staff fired shots at a union protest, uh, prompting a strike. So there has been some violence uh, between both sides. Uh, it looks like I said, the petroleum minister here, uh, he fired off at a during a protest um, of 
of, of oil field union workers. And of course, they're not having that. So there's some drama all in all different facets of this country right now, not just in their politics, but it's also looking like in their uh, economics as well. This is an oil producing nation uh, to some extent. And so, like I said, you having some issues here with, you know, definitely the workforce. And now, you know, people in charge of that. Uh, both charge, uh, both char uh, sides, excuse me, have also been trying to, I would say, bring high profile Buddhist priests into the fold. Uh, this is a uh, Buddhist nation that is their uh, national religion. And so there's definitely, it, it's been an attempt on both sides to persuade uh, people within those higher ranks to, to kind of get the the voters on their side, or at least uh, popular support. Uh, as a little bit more uh, backstory into this, uh, Rakan Singe was elected uh, as the parliament leader in 2015, and he got that help from the president, Sarasena. So I'm not too sure what changed between now, well, between 2015 and now, but uh, like I said before, uh, Sarasena is basically the guy that made the call to dismiss Rakan Singe. So it's a little bit confusing. Uh, now, he's uh, Rakan Singe is re uh, mainly known for the Right to Information Act in the country and also helping uh, the, the country democratize itself to kind of allow for public, public uh, elections, uh, things of that nature. And he also stopped uh, various... Uh, I guess I will call it violence, uh, violent, violent actions against a smaller uh, minority within the country called the Tamil. Uh, the Tamil, uh, because of Rajapaska's return to power, there is a threat to the Tamil people uh, because during his reign, uh, he was definitely accused of authori uh, authoritarianism, corruption, and also violence against the Tamil people too. Uh, it's a uh, and if you don't, if you're not too sure about the Tamil people, uh, they are a people of southern India, mostly like I said, along southern India, also in Sri Lanka as well. Uh, they speak an entirely different language than the main than a lot of the Indians in the north uh, northern part of the country. Also, people in Sri Lanka as well uh, i want to say they're one of the first original people groups there uh, at least in that region again they're a lot they're a lot different uh than the quote-unquote mainstream indians that you might see and they faced a lot of um what do you what, what, what word would you want to use here uh just like i said violence and discrimination against them throughout the years so uh with this new regime change they could be subject to that again so i'll keep you guys posted on that this is a this is a third world country but yet it's a country that's trying to get itself together and this type of situation would you know definitely hurt that uh we're also uh we're still on the world of the street i also wanted to go through this pittsburgh shooting i'm pretty sure you guys have um heard about that uh last week i think around uh thursday or friday a man by the name 46 year old man by the name of robert bowers carried an 1847 and also three glocks to the tree of life synagogue in pittsburgh pennsylvania he unleashed fire for about 20 minutes killing uh, 11 people uh injuring others most of these people were uh elderly citizens 55 and up now, uh, Bowers is currently facing 21 federal counts, and it is a, there is also a push for the death penalty for this guy. Um, 
for what it's worth, he was a known member of his community, uh, but he also had a, a ties to a website called Gab that was basically like a free uh, free speech type of web type of deal uh, in terms of how I got down. Also, uh, it was very and uh, well, very inflammatory. Uh, it, was, it was a site site where people could post anything, um, pretty much anything racist and you know homophobic. Uh, anti-semitic so on and so that nature uh also you know sexist as well uh this has been uh that that website itself has been under a lot of scrutiny lately because of this shooting here uh trump himself uh, of course he had something to say about this he had a couple rallies he mentioned uh, at, at one of his rallies um i believe about the day after uh, basically going uh basically going in and saying this is not acceptable in our country this should not be allowed and again i see him making a a big push to speak out against that uh but he was silent he's been silent to a lot of uh the the murders and the shootings that black folks have been involved in so uh, again i see i see him trying to make a statement i get where he's coming from but again i think it's it's a little bit half-assed and until uh this group of politicians decides to not only um pursue the, uh foreign terrorism uh they would if if this administration decides to pursue domestic terrorism, I'd be happy. I'd be just as happy. I shall be even more happier because uh, these groups, KKK, neo-Nazis, and these hate groups do exist. And we can sit there and deny it. We can sit there and try to say that racism is over. Um, but it's not. Um, maybe in terms of people being bigots, maybe the number of bigots have gone down uh, to the point where it's not like the 60s or the 50s. I might be able to give you that, but obviously we still have these individuals walking this earth. We have these groups still walking this earth. Uh, like I've already reported, the FBI and certain state governments still have not declared uh, the well, neo-Nazis or the KKK as highly, um, highly organized crime or hate groups so uh there you go and until this uh, matter gets addressed you're still going to see violence like this because they have not been disowned they have not uh been a target of government intervention and so until that's the case i believe we're going to still see shootings like this not just against jewish people but also against blacks also against gays and i wouldn't even be surprised if it started happening against latinos because of the whole immigrant situation so y'all keep a lookout for that as the as the kids these days would tell you stay woke but uh definitely a, a situation um that needs needs our attention and uh needs actually i would say government attention and needs is a situation that the government uh needs to address in order order to really have a lot of people's respect so i think i think trump needs to handle that asap and finally in the world on the street uh the government uh yesterday this was yesterday uh the government has agreed to send 5000 troops to the us border um, border uh border patrols in california texas and arizona they'll be building tents medical facilities and also communication centers uh trump like i said has already called this an invasion and wants this to end i I don't see it that way. Uh, again, I've been trying to tell you a lot of people are seeking uh, asylum in Mexico as well. Uh, they will. They won't just be trying to, you know, force themselves into the U.S. And it's not. And again, uh, there's all there's that uh, threat that Trump has always been sending out there that these are gang bangers and these are violent individuals. Again, I just have I just have the tendency to say that if there was some MS-13 people there, if there was some type of violent element, it would have shown. Uh, I think the majority of people that are in this these caravans again 
are the poor and downtrodden looking for a new life. There might be one or two game bangers mixed up with every group, but again, they have not done anything uh, worthwhile as of note yet to promote gang banging or anything like that. Uh, again, you're seeing a you're seeing groups of people trying to change uh, their life, and it's kind of disrespectful that they're given that term when there's so much stuff that we know in this country that goes on unnoticed and untapped. So uh, it's just disrespectful. Uh, two two thousand people have already claimed asylum in Mexico. Like I said, uh, there's. They're, they're just trying to move out of the situation they're in. If they end up in Mexico, if they end up in the U.S., they are happy. Uh, these are people that are trying to get out of corruption and get out of, you know, poor wages and, and the violence caused by those gangs that are there. Uh, you, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, there might be one or two gangbangers, you know, caught in the mix. Sure, fine. As far as I'm concerned, I haven't heard any. I haven't, you know, the media or nobody, you don't know, officials have, have come across any gang bangers, have come across any violence along this caravan or any promotion of gang activity along this caravan. So I'm I'm waiting for that, for, the, for those type of stories to stop. I'm waiting for us to stop using low-level racism to... Uh, to justify our behavior or to justify our actions or our beliefs. And this is a shame, again, because, you know, I read the quotes to you the other day. These Those are from, you know, regular human beings. You know, they wanted to genuinely find a new life. And it's cold that they are constantly uh, put in this situation where they are, well, you know what, I, I understand because, you know, they do that to certain people in this country. You know, they they put them down, they put them into a box and they and they treat that community based on the few individuals that they uh, seem to come in contact with. So it's uh, it's a tough call. Again, you know, there's there's always that conservative argument that, you know, these illegal immigrants are are here to take jobs. But again, I'll, I'll argue with this. They're taking jobs that you and I obviously don't want or we'd be working them. They wouldn't still be coming up here to take them because they wouldn't be available because you would not be working them. I don't I don't think I want the jobs that they, they're taking. So that's my opinion. So if they want to work, let them work. Let them live their life. Don't you want to live yours? That's just my that's my question. All right, y'all, we're going to uh, take a quick break and we'll come back. We're going to talk, uh, go over some sports. We have a very uh, big time sports weekend to go over. We got some boxing to go over uh, real quick. We also got some NFL to talk about. And then, of course, as always, we got a top 25 for college football to get into as well. Uh, a little bit later on, we'll be getting into the World Series and also uh, some NBA news as well. All right, my people, we will be right back. All right, y'all. So we are back, and like I said, I was gonna get you guys on up to speed, up on a, a little bit of the sports action that happened over the weekend. Uh, not too much, but uh, definitely there was a big time boxing match. Uh, Danny Jacobs uh, got in the ring uh, against Sergey Dervichenko. This was for the vacant uh, IBF middleweight title. Uh, of course, uh, the middleweight division is anything. Uh, 160 pounds that's pretty much it uh, and again uh with the ibf title that had been vacated a few months prior uh by triple g aka gennady golovkin uh he failed to fight one of his um his um mandatory challenges so he he decided to uh, drop that belt uh so Danny jacobs and sergey went at it on saturday uh danny jacobs uh he had a pretty good fight on saturday uh he now stands at 35 and 2 with 29 ko's uh Derevichenko is now at 12 and 1 with 10 ko's so uh 
Derevchenko still has some some time left. Uh, he's just you know basically starting off his career. Uh, but in terms of these uh, punch stats, let's break down some of these stats here. Uh, Danny went uh, 181. He landed 181 shots out of 578, which is good for about 31% of his shots in total. Uh, he landed 41% of his power shots. A lot of jabs, though. Uh, Derevchenko, uh, he landed 160 out of 658. That's good enough for 24.3%, but he landed 50% uh, of his power shots. Now, uh, from what I was able, from what I saw in the fight, uh, Danny Jacobs, uh, he pretty much handled his business. He got in there uh, from the beginning. He controlled the distance, uh, controlled the fight to which, you know, pretty much he fought He fought the fight the way he wanted to. He had his game plan in there, and he seemed to have a set. Uh, although Derevchenko might have had a better percentage of landed power shots, uh, Danny Jacobs, I think, uh, landed more. A significant number more overall and then on top of that Jacobs just overall was uh, more efficient at a jab and other just other 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 uh, other uh, realms of the fight game just uh, controlling the distance like I said uh, being able to box mix it up a little bit and it was a split decision which means uh, somebody one of these judges uh, had it a draw uh, if you uh, get a chance to see the fight or if you've already seen the fight you probably don't see where it was a draw uh, I'll say there was parts of the fight that it could have been close uh, there Vichenko might have even had uh, control at very small uh, spots in the, during the fight, but for the most part, Danny was able to handle his business. And usually, that's what happens when you get a split decision. Uh, you know, one person has it a draw, like I said, uh, and then the rest, the other two judges, have a winner. So it's very, um, again, it's a very strange decision. Again, when you go over the stats uh, and then you look at the fight for yourself, you watch it and you give it the eye test, it will look to you as though Danny Jacobs did his thing. And uh, don't get me wrong, uh, Derevchenko was a game competitor. Uh, I think he'll 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 probably win some titles at some point. I think he does have somewhat of a skill set. He definitely has a chin. Uh, he definitely can throw hard. He did throw a lot of power shots. Uh, in terms of percentage, I said he also landed at a better percentage. But again, uh, Danny he just brought a whole lot more to the table, a uh, lot more uh, diverse in his offense. I, if one thing I would always tell him, uh, one one drawback about Danny Jacobs' game is is that he does not always have the greatest defense. But uh, I think you know overall he's still probably the the third best fighter uh, in that weight class. If we're talking about Canelo, you rank Canelo, and then it'll be Triple G, and then it'll be Danny Jacobs right behind them. Uh, he took uh, Canelo to the limit uh, when they fought. Uh, I believe it was last year. Uh, maybe, yeah, sometime last year, and um, you know. Jacobs wasn't given that fight, but again, uh, you could tell that he's on that level. Uh, he took Canelo, like I said, to the brink. Canelo looked, in my opinion, as though he lost that fight. Uh, but again, great fight from Jacobs. I think now uh, on the future for uh, future for him, on the horizon for him, he can either do a rematch against Canelo, which I don't really see Canelo doesn't seem to be interested in my opinion about that right now. Uh, definitely, uh, Canelo has to probably fight GG, GG, sorry, Triple G uh, for the third time. Uh, so we'll do, so uh, that'll probably happen first. And if not Canelo uh, for the rematch, he might go up against uh, the Charlo brothers, either Jermail uh, or Jamal. And both of these guys, they're twin brothers, obviously, and they're from Houston, Texas. Uh, they're, they're definitely up and coming. They've been uh, mentioned as a possible opponent for Canelo and Triple G as well. 
I don't think either one of those guys want to see them. Uh, if you get a, if you get a chance, check those guys out. Uh, I would say they're the cream of the younger crop. They're right uh, under and uh, right under uh, Canelo in terms of age, but they're very hungry, uh, very balanced in terms of which uh, in terms of their offense. Uh, they're not necessarily uh, boxers nor power power punchers per se, uh, but definitely, like I said, balanced. They can both box. Uh, pretty well and i think they could give any of the top three middleweights i mean sorry the uh middleweights yeah like i said uh either canelo triple g and J uh, jacob some trouble and if you ask me from what i've been watching uh in terms of the back the the behind the scenes stuff in boxing i will be i will tell you this it seems to me uh, that all three of them are are avoiding both brothers, even uh, Danny Jacobs. Uh, there has been some uh, talks about uh, Daniel Jacobs maybe fighting Jamel, but nothing solid yet. And like I said, uh, Canelo flat flat out doesn't mention none of these guys. Neither does uh, Triple G. They don't they don't really want to deal with him. Uh, so moving on from uh, boxing, we're gonna get into this World Series actually, uh, and. Y'all know this already, uh, but the Red Sox have won yet another title. They have broken that curse that was long ago by tenfold. Uh, you know, again, uh, like I said, going into the series, L.A. might have had the better names on that team. They might, they might have had the higher profile names, uh, but definitely when it comes to who the better team was, it was definitely Boston. Uh, Boston got it done in Game Four, five with a with a uh, score five to one. Uh, now let's just go over uh, Game Three real quick, uh, just to set it set up the stage. Uh, L.A. dropped that game too. Uh, they dropped that nine to six. Now uh, in Game Three, uh, it could have it was close at one point. Uh, in terms of what the Dodgers were able to do, uh, Enrique Hernandez was able to hit a, a two-run home run. Uh, Yasiel Puig excuse me, also hit a 3-1 homer. Uh, Rich Hill had a great start, actually. He went for six innings, only gave up a hit and a one and a run and seven strikeouts. Uh, but it all fell apart for the uh, for the Dodgers in the middle of that game. Uh, Darren uh, Dylan Floro, uh, he gave up two hits and three runs as soon as he takes over. And uh, as far as the Red Sox go in that game three, Steve Pierce, uh, two hits, four RBIs, Xander Bogarts, I, my apologies, I've been calling him Xavier this whole time, but his name is Xander Bogart, the shortstop. Uh, he also had an RBI as well. Uh, Mitch Moreland came up off, off the pinch hitting status and uh, again, uh, came through in the clutch, three RBIs, and Eduardo Rodriguez for the Red Sox, he had a great game on the mound, going for five, well, a decent game, going for five innings, uh, four hits, four runs, and then also six strikeouts, but again, you know, that um, that sixth inning, I'm sorry, that seventh inning uh, really blew up the game. And when I saw that seventh inning and I saw that pitch and change, you know, I really, you know, of course you want to put your uh, relievers in and you want to, you know, you want to give, you know, want to give people a break. You want to give your starters a break. But, you know, six innings, six solid innings of work. We've already known people could go seven or eight innings. Uh, you know, he's only given up a hit in the earned run. Rich Hill, I mean, I think he deserved just a little bit more time on that mound just to kind of just to kind of put a seal on that game. Uh, Dylan Floro, he gave that game away for the Dodgers in game three. And uh, definitely one factor that I always what I wanted to give the Dodgers was their was their bullpen. And in this game, uh this this cost them uh tremendously. That that three one stretch uh completely uh got the game out of reach. Uh the game was tied at one point. 
Uh, the Dodgers, I mean, who, who knows what could have happened uh, in that game. But, again, the bullpen, which I thought would have stepped up for L.A. in that game three, did not. Uh, they didn't show up. And that, and then you get to, you know, game four. And uh, more of the same uh, for the Dodgers. Uh, David Fries, uh he only had two hits in an RBI. Uh, Jock Peterson, Manny Machado, Machado, excuse me, and Yasiel Puig all went hitless. You know, that's not the time where you want to go hitless. You didn't want to go hitless in game three. They really didn't do anything in game three either. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, excuse me, with the exception of Yasiel Puig, uh, he hit his three-run homer. Uh, but uh, Manny Machado still, uh, he was nowhere to be found in game three. He wasn't anywhere to be found uh, at all in this series, really. Um, and, and like I said, Puig, he had a couple moments. He had his moments, but overall, David Fries was gone. Uh, like I said, Jock Peterson did not have any hits in Game Four. Uh, and like I said, David Fries, he had two hits in the series and two hits in Game Four. Uh, but again, he was not really a factor in the series. And this is somebody who got runs and was able to get uh, the power, the timely power hitting in other series throughout the playoffs. But again. Uh, this has just been the, the Dodgers' Achilles' heel. They cannot show up in those big moments. Again, you got Clayton Kershaw on the mound, uh, giving so much love, so much praise, so many Cy Young Award nominations. I don't know if he wins it this year, especially with what happens. But he went for seven innings, gave up seven hits. So basically, we're talking about a hit, uh, basically a hit an inning. And also gave up four runs, and uh, he had five strikeouts. Again. You know, for somebody that they, you know, that the baseball world loves to hype up, loves to give so much, you know, props to, he just doesn't get it done when it counts. And again, this is the second game, this was the second game in the series in which he's given up seven runs, at least. And it's just, or over at least four runs, at least. And, you know, it's not, you know, it's not good. It's not, it's not, it's not a good indication of what's going on in LA. Maybe, you know, maybe they need to hit the drawing board again and start thinking about how to put this team together and not, maybe not spending so much money next time. Uh, as far as the Dodgers go, I'm sorry, as far as the Red Sox go in this game for the game clincher, um, Mookie Betts had an RBI. Uh, Steve Pierce, again, uh, he had two hits, three RBIs. Uh, the first baseman was able to get the MVP of the series, so big ups to him. Uh, if you look at the stats, he's shown up in a lot of different games. Like I said, he also showed up in that game three with four RBIs. And all throughout the playoffs, really, it's been somebody uh, on that boss. And this is why I always, this is why going into it, I did. Uh, give Boston a nod, of course, because there's somebody on that team, and this is how you. This is a hallmark of a good team. This is a hallmark of a team that can actually, you know, do something. Um, of course, you know whether it be your Patriots, whether it be their Bulls, uh, the '90s, so on and so forth. Yes, you have your superstar players. You have your Michael Jordans, your Tom Brady's, uh, your Rob Gronkowski, so on and so forth. But then you always got somebody that'll step up uh, in a certain position when you really need it. Uh, for example, a couple of years back uh, for the Patriots, they had Malcolm Butler come up with that interception. Uh, the Bulls have had a couple, you know, no name, Steve Kerr come up and, and hit up a, a couple threes in their dynasty. Um, uh, Steve Pierce did the same thing for Boston. Uh, Boston had a couple players show up when, uh, when they really needed them to. J.D. Martinez. Also, uh, they had, um, I'm sorry, David Price. Uh, the most overlooked guy of the series. Uh, again, J.D. Martinez also got an RBI as well. But David Price, again, uh, now, uh, he's the exact opposite of Kershaw, where Kershaw gets a lot of love. Kershaw gets a whole lot of, um, you know, praise and all that. Uh, a lot has been said negatively about David Pierce, and, but David Price, excuse me. And, um, you know, 
And he was one of the unsung heroes of this series. Again, this was another game in this series in which he defied the the uh, the, the spectators or just defied the critics, and he really put up some solid work. He went for seven innings, three hits, got one run, and five strikeouts. Again, with what I've seen from him uh, throughout the series, not just this series, but throughout the playoffs, I would have made a case for him to be MVP of the World Series as well. Just just because of what he's had to go through, just his, his journey there. Uh, there was a period of time when he first started out in the league where he was dominant, he was solid, uh, he was young, of course, and this is what happened. You age a little bit, and it shows up in different positions, in different sports, you know. Uh, 30, 30 in football might not be the same, and we know 30 in football is not the same as 30 in boxing. Uh, 30 in baseball might not be the 30 it is in the NBA, you know. And um, David Price, you know, he, he, had a, he had a period in which he slipped, and uh, I've heard a lot about, you know, the negative aspects of this game, of course, but again, uh, he showed up when the lights were on him. Uh, he showed up in a hostile situation, and he got the job done for his team. Um, and uh, and we're and and the, and the Red Sox—they're looking like, in my opinion, a possible dynasty. One of the better teams, their first great team of this era. So I'm definitely gonna give them their props. Congratulations, Boston. Uh, hopefully, Oakland will take it eventually. Although the A's will get us a World Series one day. That's all I'll, I'll keep hoping. <laughs> all right, y'all, we're going to take another quick break. And when I come back, we're going to keep going over these sports. I got to go over these college football rankings. Also, we're going to go over some NFL as well. We got an injury report for you guys, as well as some scores from over the weekend and also some, um, some Monday night football as well, y'all. So I'll be right back. All right, my people. So let's get into it. And let's go over some Monday night football. You know how it goes down. Uh, the Patriots took on the Bills last night. Of course, they got the W, 25-6. The Bills are trash. We're going to say that now. And I'm not sorry about it. Uh, the Patriots move on to 6-2. and two. The Bills are at 2-6. and six. Let's go over these stats right quick. Brady had a solid game. He went 29-45 uh, for 324 yards. And uh, this is the kicker, though. I don't see this happening too often to him, but he didn't score any touchdowns. I don't know if that's, you know, pass defense in the red zone for Buffalo or just them finding other ways just to get it done and just saying fuck it. Um, Cordell Patterson led the way rushing the ball. He had 38 yards in total. James White also had a touchdown as well. Julian Edelman went uh, he led the way receiving. He had 104 yards in total and on defense Kyle Van Noy had 8 total tackles. Now for uh, for the Bills Derek Anderson had two, uh, went 24-39, 200 90 yards and he also threw an interception Nathan uh, Nathan Peterman also got a little bit of some time too I think he threw for like a pass um, Chris Ivory had 36 yards on the ground and in terms of receiving LaShawn McCoy had 82 yards and on defense Patrick Gaines he had 10 total tackles the only real highlight from the Bills the only real person on that team doing something really um, this team is just falling apart uh, they always have issues at quarterback. You can go back to the 2000s and Doug Flutie look him up. Uh, they uh, have issues with getting the right quarterback. And they'll do dumb things like trade one away or, you know, start another one instead. And it just falls apart for them. They don't have good they don't have good luck with choosing the right quarterback. It just that's just something wrong with the Bills. And the Patriots, they move on. They move along. And uh, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not you know, win is a win. But this is against a, weak, a weaker team, so I'm not, you know, I'm not giving them a a fanfare. Just a good job, and you got next week. So, uh, moving on with the rest of these scores from over the weekend. Uh, the Niners lost to the Cardinals 15-18. I was a little bit surprised by that, uh, even despite 
the 49er situations. Um, the Vikings lost to the Saints 30-20. to uh, Saints moving along. Uh, the Eagles beat the Jags 24-18. The Panthers beat the Ravens 36-21. The Broncos lose to the Chiefs 23-30. The Browns uh, lose again, but we're not surprised. 18-33. Uh, we, we got some stuff to talk about the Rams in just a little bit, so get, be patient with me. Uh, the the uh, Buccaneers losing overtime to the Bengals 34-37. And uh, they looking like they're going to have some quarterback changes in Tampa Bay as well. Uh, I won't. I'll. I'll get to this a little bit later. But this might be Jameis Winston's last season. Uh, the Jets lose to the Bears, ten to twenty-four. The Redskins. They just keep getting it done in that that NFC East. I, you know, for what it's worth, they're getting it done. Uh, Twenty to thirteen is the final against the Giants. Uh, the Colts lose. Uh, I'm sorry. The Colts beat the Raiders, forty-two to twenty-eight. This game sucked, especially for me, only because I'm a fan. A Raiders fan, uh, but that game seemed to be so close uh, at one point in time, and it just it just slipped just like that. And uh, to have that, I believe it was tied at twenty eight to twenty uh, twenty eight at one time, and just to give up give up those points like that, it's just disheartening. And you're trying to we're still trying to figure. I'm still trying to figure out you know how we dropped that one. But again, I've already you know stated how I feel about it. This is destroy and rebuild. Uh, John Gruden has ten years. I see that he, you know, goes through the whole team years and, and takes his time and does it right, you know, to his standard. And uh, hopefully that leads to wins when they get to Vegas. Uh, as of now, they're not going to win in Oakland at this point. A whole, at least a, at least a whole lot, that is. Uh, the Rams do just enough to get it done. Uh, do just enough to get it done against the Packers, twenty-nine to twenty-seven. Uh, there was some controversy. Uh, Ty Montgomery made a bonehead play at some point that cost uh, the Packers a game. But uh, there is talk. You know, I've heard a couple of people say, you know, well, you know, with a game like this, I don't think Saint, uh, sorry, LA will want to see the Packers in the playoffs. They don't want to see him in a rematch. I don't know. Again. Um, Aaron Rodgers can only do so much. Uh, again, we already saw where you know his teammates around him can cost him a game. The Rams don't make that those mistakes, and I think a lot. I think that the Rams are uh, facing a lot of a lot of closer scores than what y'all kind of you know than what we're expecting to or what people are expecting is because they're missing a couple people on defense. Uh, you got to remember, a key to leave is on IR. It has been on IR since September, if I'm not mistaken, and not even August. So they're they're missing some pieces. Uh they're missing some pieces in that secondary. Uh but you know what? They like I said, they do just enough to get the things done. Uh they have one of the best running backs in the league. Second best actually the first best running back in the league. We're talking about yardage and overall yards. Uh they got one of the top quarterbacks again. Uh the defense has uh slipped uh but again uh, they are doing what it takes to get done. They are still undefeated, and that is what matters. All right, let's get to the news, though. And I told you guys I got to talk about the Browns. And um, for those of you who do not know, uh, they have fired their head coach, Hugh Jackson. They've hired an interim. I believe they're using their uh, defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, at the moment. Uh, Hugh Jackson uh, was 2-5-1 and one so far this year, or two and the Browns. They were two wins, five losses, and a tie this year. Uh, he was 3-36 overall. Of course, we know about last year where he didn't win any games, and the year before that, he only won one. Uh, it's, it was been, it's been a hard journey for Hugh Jackson. I think overall he's a solid coach in some regard. Uh, I saw what he was able to do in Oakland for a couple of years. He did get us to a 8-8 eight eight record at one time. Uh, I believe we 
beat everybody in our division that year, swept everybody in that division that year. And again, you know, he's I think he has a, a certain qualities that make him a good coach. Uh, I just think he was in a, a messed up situation. And uh, when your when your front office is bad, meaning your GM and so on and so forth don't know football, they're not good at it. And then it doesn't really matter who you who you have at coach. You can't, you know, front office make you know makes a makes a big deal too. Just like your coach and just like the players you have, if your GM is not a good football type GM, it doesn't have a football mind, then your team is going to suffer. It doesn't really matter who your coach is or who you draft. So, uh, also they fired their offensive coordinator Todd Haley. Uh, this was very interesting because uh, they had a very uh, Hugh uh, Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley both had issues. I'm under the impression, uh, well, from what I've been told, uh, by especially people who watch the. Uh, hard knock show on HBO that they had a rift. So, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. You know, you're two, five and one, you're a franchise who's, you know, suffered a lot in the past, you know, since they've been back in Cleveland, I would say 2000, something like that. Uh, they suffered a lot. Uh, they haven't been able to win a whole lot in general, regardless of who the coach was. They've been through seven different quarterbacks, even in, in Hugh Jackson's time. Uh, and just the fact that they weren't able to, you know, I think them not getting along was definitely a factor in them having to let be, you know, both of them having to be let go. Uh, they brought in Baker Mayfield this year. Uh, and of course it sucks because, you know, he's a rookie. Uh, there's no real consistency, but if you're, if you're true, if you're, you know, if, if your prospects with a certain culture not looking that well, it doesn't really matter about, you know, how well they relate or, you know, him about having some continuity. It doesn't, you don't want, you don't, you know, I mean, I, I get it. You want continuity, but if your continuity is, is losing, I don't think you would want that either. And it wasn't no real, there was no real uh, timetable to see uh, timetable for, you know, Hugh Jackson, a real one to, to really turn that team around. And, and maybe he's not the type to turn a team around. You know, a lot of these coaches, we have to remember, are great coordinators, they're great position coaches, but they're not necessarily head coaches. He might not be, he just might not be a head coach, unfortunately. Um, they're 0 and 20 on the road, uh, which is one of the worst records in the NFL right now. And these are just, you know, you can't, you can't, you cannot win on the road. You have to be able to win on the road. Because uh, nine times out of 10, you might not always, you're not going to get uh, a home field advantage. So you got to be able to win playoff games on the road. You got to be able to win league games on the road. Uh, so uh, these are all factors against him. I know there's, you know, some arguments for him, uh, but I think the Browns, uh, they made the right move. I don't think it was the right timing, but they had to have let him go. Uh, in the middle of the season, no. Uh, personally, I would have had to cut him after the end of the last at the end of last season, after they went 0-16. It would have made no sense to bring him back. I think we know the best you can get from him. Uh, and that's that's uh, that's mediocre. At best, uh, moving on, we got some uh, week nine injuries to talk about. Uh, first and foremost, let's go with Tyreek Hill, running back from the Kansas City Chiefs. He suffered a groin injury uh, versus the Broncos. He, uh, it's been said that he is not ruled out for next week, but he may see limited action. So that will uh, play a factor for Kansas City. We got Will Fuller, wide receiver for the Houston Texans. He tore his ACL. He will miss the rest of the season. This hurts because this is death along that uh, wide out position for uh 
for Houston. Again, uh, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson needs as many weapons as possible to to help him out, and that kind of that kind of sucks because he's not going to be willful. It's not going to be a, not going to be around for the rest of the season. Uh, another big injury: we got Carl Lawson, defensive end from Cincinnati. He also tore his ACL, so he will be out for the rest of rest of the season too. Uh, this is a major blow for the uh, Bengals because, again, uh, this was a team that, you know, was really was, was solid. I would say it was really solid on defense and really needed that defense to kind of get them through the NFC, uh, the AFC North, excuse me, because everybody in the AFC North got some type of defense. So uh, it looks like one of their rookies will be taking over there. So tough break for them. You got Trey, uh, Trent Williams. Uh, offensive tackle from the Washington Redskins. He hurt his thumb last week. Uh, he wasn't able to get it popped back into place. So look forward to get get taken care of over the week. There he has not been ruled out for Sunday. So uh, they got some hope there. Uh, Kyle Long, uh, offensive guard from Chicago. He injured his right foot last week. They are preparing for the worst. From what I've from what I've read, uh, he might not be available for a significant amount of time and that could hurt them because they are in the thick of things in terms of a playoff spot and also winning that division uh and finally we got reuben foster linebacker from uh san francisco now he hurt his hamstring there's also no definitive timetable on the uh on a long uh, on how long he might be out uh but he may be out this week uh for uh the oakland game this thursday especially since it's uh short notice uh, they're playing Thursday. Uh, the uh, the Niners may go into into that game quite underhanded. All right, y'all. So we're gonna take one last quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna go over some NFL. I'm sorry, some NBA action, and oh, Astros actually some uh college football as well. So y'all keep a lookout for that, y'all. All right. All right, my people. So we're going to wrap this up for today. And we're going to start off with some college football. We're going to go with the top 25 real quick. And let's just get it going. Uh, number one, we got Alabama. They are still undefeated, 8-0. Uh, they had a bye week last week. Uh, but they will be coming through this week in a major game. They will be facing off against a number four LSU in Baton Rouge. So that will be one of the biggest games of the year. And number two, we got Clemson. They're also eight and four. Uh, they had a big win last week at uh, Florida State. They won that fifty-one to ten. This week they will be hosting Louisville in a pretty easy game, pretty simple game for them. I see Clemson going to nine and zero. We got Notre Dame at number three. They are eight and zero as well. They had a good game as well. They went to Navy last weekend, got the win, forty-four to twenty-two. This week they will be hosting Northwestern. Northwestern plays pretty good defense. This game doesn't probably. Uh, have that many points, but I still got Notre Dame winning. Uh, they're pretty solid on offense. Way got way more tools to work with in Northwestern, so uh, Notre Dame gets the win there. And number four, like I said, we got LSU. Uh, they're seven and one. They had a bye week as well uh, last weekend, but they will be going up against Bama. Like I said, also uh, number five, we got Michigan. They're at seven and one. Uh, they had a bye week as well. Uh, they're going to be facing Penn State. They're going to pick the number 18. Uh, sorry, not number 18, but number 14 Penn State this weekend. So another big game in the Big Ten. Uh, this will pretty much be one of those games that 
uh, set up the Big Ten title game. Uh, one of those one of those games that the, you know Michigan has to get past. Uh, number six, we got Georgia. They are at seven and one. Uh, last weekend, they got a good win against number thirteen Florida, thirty six to seventeen in the world's largest cocktail party. Uh, this week, they will be going. They will be traveling to Kentucky to face on take on the number eleven team in the nation. Uh, Georgia scores pretty well, uh, but I will say this: Kentucky has a great defense, especially in the red zone. Like I said, they have the fifth. Uh, scoring defense. They are also third in the in the nation against the run. Uh, again, if Kentucky put up more points, I'd I would I would definitely put Georgia on upset alert. Uh, with all the defense, though, I don't think Kentucky can keep up with 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 Georgia offensively. Uh, look for it to be not so much of a of a big score a big scoring game, uh, but definitely just because of the offense Georgia has, they can probably eke out a win. Uh, uh, a very narrow win. Uh, we at number seven. I have Oklahoma. They're also at seven and one. Uh, they had a they had an easy win last week. They hosted Kansas State. They won that fifty one to fourteen. Not so much of a competition this week. They will be traveling to Lubbock to take on Texas Tech. Uh, again, I got Oklahoma winning that game rather easily. Uh, some few points will be given up. This is the Big Twelve game. They play offense. That's their thing. I still got Oklahoma on top though. Uh, number eight. I got Ohio State. They are seven and one. Uh, they are one of the many teams coming off of a bye week. Uh, they'll be traveling to Nebraska. Easy win. New coach in Nebraska. Just things not going so well over there. I got Ohio State winning big time. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna keep pushing to that Michigan game. Uh, we got at number nine, uh, UCF Central Florida, still undefeated, still. Uh, Nobody can nobody can beat them at least in that division at least in their conference right now. I don't see that happening. Uh, they had a bye week th- uh, last week. They will be uh, playing this Thursday against Temple, so that's look out for that one as well. Uh, Washington State made a huge jump. Has made a huge jump over the past couple of weeks. This is I think one of their highest uh, rankings. Uh, spot in the rankings in their history, uh, number ten in the nation. They are currently at seven and one. They had a close victory at Stanford last weekend, forty-one to thirty-eight. This weekend they'll be taking on Cal. Uh, Cal itself is coming up, uh, up coming off an upset win against Washington. I still like Washington State. Washington State brings a whole lot of offensive troubles to the table, and they've been improving on defense every year uh, since Mike Leach has been there, which is surprising because Mike Leach is an offensive coach. But that goes to show you that he understands where his um, his weaknesses are, and he's hired a great staff around him. They have a great defensive line as well. So I think Washington State blows out that game against Cal. Uh, number 11, like I uh, mentioned before, we got to Kentucky. They are seven and one they will be hosting georgia this weekend so another good sec showdown again i don't think kentucky has a whole lot of offense but they'll keep that game close because they play great defense and defense are defenses are a great hallmark in any sport uh number 12 we got west virginia they are at six and one uh number 13 we have florida they are six and two at 14 we got penn state uh texas took a big loss last weekend uh so they are at number 15 they are standing at six and two. At uh, sixty, we have Utah six and two as well. They just keep winning. I believe that was their fourth game in a row that they won last weekend. So they keep they're going to keep rising as well. I think they'll 
uh, they are in the driver's seat into at least making it to the conference championship game uh, in terms of the Pac-12. They are currently leading the Western Division. I will be going over the conference standings tomorrow. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll be going over the conference standings tomorrow as well. So we'll get a, a better look at that. Uh, number 14, I'm sorry, number 17, we have Houston 7-1. and one. They had a big victory last weekend, uh, boosted them up greatly in the rankings uh we got utah state they're at 18 they're seven and one as well at number uh 19 we have iowa six and two at number 20 we have uh fresno state california stand up seven and one overall uh we have 21 mississippi state they are standing at five and three at number 22 syracuse has finally topped got itself into the top 25 they had a good weekend uh good weekend uh they are at six and two overall virginia is also in the top 25 as well after a season of being not relevant or not at least not in the top 25 uh they're sitting at six and two and at 24 we have boston college who's at six and two as well and bringing up the top 25 we got texas a&m they are currently at five and two all right y'all so we're gonna move on to the nba um and let's get some news out the way first uh tyron Lou was uh fired by the cavaliers yesterday after their 0-6 start this season, um, and it's kind of sucky because we all know what their recent history is. LeBron has officially left them. Uh, we, we all know he's in L.A. doing his thing right now, but uh, it's just kind of a it's kind of a sucky move because I feel like uh, the Cavs aren't necessarily addressing their true issues. Uh, despite you know, despite this season, the start of the season, overall, Tyron Lue has a winning record, a good winning record on top of that. He's 128 out of 83, and that's good enough to be in the top 25 of coaches, believe it or not. Uh, he's also 41-20 in the playoffs with a finals win. Uh, so I don't know what, uh, you know, Cleveland was looking for. I guess they, you know, or not expect. Of course, nobody expecting to be zero and six. But when you lose one of your best players and when you're starting five consists of George Hill and J.R. Smith and Rodney Hood, who we know can't do anything. Uh, those three guys right there are trash. Um, I'll give you Kevin Love. And, you know, so basically this team is only Kevin Love. I mean, because Christian Thompson, he hasn't done shit the past couple years let's just keep it lit so uh maybe he gets you know maybe he gets you know the blame for keeping that team together uh maybe he i don't know i don't know what i don't know what cleveland's plan is i don't know what you know of course we know that lebron he wanted to move on so you can't blame anybody for that but letting go of tyron lu a coach that was capable of winning just like with david blatt a coach who was capable of winning capable of getting teams there uh, again i i don't I don't see why you why you disrupt that. Uh, but anyways, uh, let's get into some scores right now. Uh, we got a few games to talk about. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, the Blazers were able to get uh, were able to get the win against the Pacers, one hundred three to ninety three. Uh, the Hawks were able to beat the Seventy Sixers, ninety two to one thirteen. Oh, I'm sorry, the Hawks lost to the Seventy Sixers, ninety two to one thirteen. Uh, the Kings, uh, they are a surprise story of the season. They have a winning record at the moment. Uh, they were able to beat the Heat 123 to 113. Let's get into a little bit of this game. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein led the way. He had 26 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, you haven't heard too much about Cauley-Stein. He's a product of uh, Kentucky, drafted around 2. 
2015, I want to say, um, you know, hasn't really shown up, uh, at least for the past uh, few years. But actually, the last couple years, he's actually been getting a lot more uh, playing time, um, getting his uh, his averages up, actually. Uh, so, but this game, he led all scores, 26 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, Buddy Hill also did his thing, too. Uh, this is somebody who, when he was drafted, was given a whole lot of love by his uh by by the front office in Sacramento hasn't really uh, fully developed into that player yet but again a solid game from him uh, he had 23 points five assists and eight rebounds and the Aaron Fox the second year point guard had 20 assists and also uh, eight, re eight eight assists 20 points and eight assists and uh, power forward uh, Nemanja Belica he also had 19 points five rebounds and five assists so a good team game. A couple players that got multiple assists. This is the type of stuff that you're looking for. Uh, Willie Colley Stein definitely did his thing in the paint, getting rebounds, getting them extra shots. And, you know, uh, if if the Kings are able to stay, you know, at least with a winning record, that's another team in the West you got to look out for, y'all. This is just getting difficult and difficult for teams like the Rockets, teams like the Lakers. Wow. Teams like my, my Blazers who are on the out, you know, who could be, could you know, last year, you know they were a third. They were a third seed. I'm talking about Portland now, but the uh, margin of error between all the rest of those teams were one or two games. So, you know we're looking at teams that could not make the playoffs this year, depending on how well teams like the the Kings are able to mature and and ensure themselves up. Uh, as far as the heat, as far as the heat goes, uh, Josh Rich, uh, Richardson led all scores for them with 31 points. Uh, Goran Dragic also had 20 points and five assists, and Hassan Whiteside had 24 points and 16 rebounds. Uh, moving on to the rest of these scores. We got the Knicks uh, beating the Nets 115 to 96. The Timberwolves getting it done against the Lakers 124 to 120. And LeBron is already having a hissy fit. He's not happy. Uh, his he I just read a quote by him. Uh, it was something to along the effects of y'all pretty much don't want to see me when I'm mad or when I when I lose my patience. It becomes a very difficult situation. So he's already getting into his little attitude. And you know what? You know, this is this is what happens. You know, you play you're playing against, you know, NBA competition. You're gonna take those L's. I don't think uh, you know, the Lakers I mean on paper they look to be solid. And of course you need time to build all that together, but you know, you already built. You already have, you have to face teams that already been together for at least a year or two. Uh, solid teams. You know, the Timberwolves. You know, despite their immaturity issues, despite you know Jimmy not want Jimmy Butler not wanting to be there, uh, which I need to address as well. Uh, just overall the dysfunction there. They're still a solid team. Cat. Uh, you know, they have uh, Carl Anthony Towns, who's an emerging center. Uh, you still have Andrew Wiggins, who could be a dependable scoring wing. Uh, so, you know, and not including Jimmy Butler, you know, who's also a dependable scoring wing, who's gotten better over time offensively and who can defend. So, you know, these this is not going to be a cakewalk. LeBron, I told you, I mean, I remember the, I mean, the first game of the season when he went to Portland and took that loss. As much as I love LeBron, I love him as a player. Welcome to the Western Conference, LeBron. This is not, this is not easy. This is not a cakewalk. That first loss to Portland in, in the Moda Center should have told you something. I mean, I don't know why you're acting surprised about this. I don't even know why you're having an attitude about this. this is just, you got to take those lumps. This is not, this is a long season, buddy. If you're already talking about how you're mad, you're just, you know, you're losing your patience, dude, 
nah, this is not instant gratification. So I don't know what you're gonna do, brother. Uh, the Warriors, they they keep on uh. They keep on striving. They're six and one on the season. Uh, they took on the Bulls last night. Uh, they were able to get that win, one forty nine to one twenty four. The Bills go down. I'm sorry, the Bulls go down to two and four. Let's talk about these stats real quick. Uh, Curry, as always, he's 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 he does his thing. Twenty three points, five assists, eight rebounds at the point guard position. This team, they just do everything. They do everything. I don't see too many teams that can beat them right now. I don't know who can beat them in the finals. Uh, we got Thompson. Again, he had another 50-point game, 52 points to be exact. You can't stop these guys because Durant, I mean, he has a quiet game. He only went for 14 points. But then you got Quinn Cook who can get 16 off the bench. This this team is not somebody you need to sleep on. I'm telling you, I, I'm not a fan. If, I, if I'm, I'm not a fan and I can say this, this team has humbled me. I'm sorry, they've humbled me. This is the the team of the millennium, the millennials. I'm millennial, and this is I just have to go with it. Sorry, I'm sorry for all my my non warrior fans. What can we do? What are we gonna do? We just gotta just kind of just deal with it. I you know I don't I don't you know I don't wish ill will on nobody. So it's not like I'm sitting here wishing that Durant leaves, but. <laughs> <laughs> that's our only shot if you're not a fan <laughs> so we're just gonna keep it pushing as far as the bulls go uh winter carter he had 18.7 rebounds zach levine he's emerging uh 21.6 rebounds and antonio blakeney 21 points off the bench so chicago chicago uh they have some bright spots too but again you ain't beating the warriors I don't know what they do. I don't know. I'm not gonna get into the over under on wins on the Warriors this year. This is this this if this isn't a record breaking year in terms of they breaking the overall you know uh, wins record and winning the title. I'm not saying that's a failure because there's they're probably ninety percent you know there to win the title. But again, it's not gonna it's not gonna break the mold. It's not gonna excite me unless they break the record. You know. Uh, the wins record, but again, good solid basketball. Another night of good solid basketball from the Warriors. There's nothing I can say about that. Uh, I won't take nothing out of it. I won't take no steam out of their sails. Fuck that. I won't do it. I won't do it. If you're that good, there's nothing. I mean, if you're that good, people shut up, and I'll shut up. I'm not gonna be a hater. <laughs> uh, moving on, the Mavs beat the Spurs. A uh, Mavs lose to the Spurs. Excuse me. 108-113. Kawhi and the Raptors lose to the Bucks. 109 to 124. And the Nuggets get it done against the Pelicans 116 to 111. All right, y'all. This is it for today. I will be back for a special Halloween edition tomorrow. I got that compare and contrast with the Texas Chainsaw Massacres ready for y'all. And um, I'm going to make it a a Halloween uh related show. I want to I want to give it a Halloween theme, you know. So, going to be some 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 gooey gore and maybe I don't know. I know I'm going to make that review Halloween related. It's going to be, it's just, just know it's going to be Halloween related, y'all. I like Halloween. I don't care about them old scary folk, but I'm just going to have fun with it tomorrow, y'all. And if anybody hasn't told you for today, I do love you. And I want you guys to have a good day. And again, I'll be back tomorrow. This is El Jamal, Never Out of Bounds, signing out.